You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in Southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. Less preaching and more praying today, okay? So this sermon's going to be a little shorter, uh, and uh, we have dedicated this Sunday specifically to a time when we are going to gather together in small groups uh, corporately to pray for God's will to be done through our church into this community, especially after the last few years. Actually, if you're new to this area, um, good for you. You've missed it all. (laughs) Ian just happened this fall. And um, COVID for the last couple of years prior to that. And before that, it all seems to sandwich together. Um, But then we had Irma five years ago. And over the last five years, we have, as a congregation, done many things and reached out into the community in many ways and onto the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University. And God has blessed many of those efforts. And yet at the same time, we um, are at this point where we're asking, okay, Lord, now what? Every time we make some plans, then something like Ian comes along or COVID really kind of put a kibosh on a lot of things. And so that's just, it's like, okay, Lord, I think it's time for us to corporately, um, publicly, privately, and in every way just be praying for your will to be done through us individually and as a congregation. So that's what we're going to do today. Now, next week, I know it's not like you, I don't want you to stop praying, but we're going to do a new series called A Florida Christmas. And um, Christmas is a little different down here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, I don't know why I'm dreaming of a white Christmas is kind of the way everybody thinks of Christmas, uh, because the original probably wasn't. Okay? We don't even know what time of the year Jesus was born. Do you realize that? Um, It was picked as one of the darkest times of the year to show that the light of God was shining into this world in the early church. But when was Jesus born? Well, if the shepherds on the hills... Uh, uh, were a part of the story, and they are in uh, Luke chapter 2, most likely that happened in the springtime when, like California, the Mediterranean climate of Israel, the rains have come over the winter, and the hills are finally green for a while, and that's when you have the sheep out there. So we really don't know. But I'll tell you this, the first Christmas had much more to do like uh, the Florida climate than it does the Canadian climate. And I don't know anywhere in the Bible that it says uh, the North Pole is ever mentioned, okay? So we're going to kind of do different scenes. Like, first of all, there's a prophecy from, um, I think it's Isaiah, that he talks about the knowledge of the Lord will be like the sand that covers, you know, as multitudinous as the sands. And so we're going to be talking Sandy Clause, as in the clause or phrase of God's promise. We're going to look at how palm trees and the promises of God and how that fits together, how we're dreaming of a hot or warm Christmas, because often that's probably what it was. Uh, Anyways, you kind of get the drift of where we're going with all that, just not a snow drift. So um, that'll be uh, all the way through the month of December, including January 1st. Yeah, Christmas Day is on a Sunday. Uh, We will not be actually having worship that day, but I will be creating a video to watch with your family at home. 
and uh, a worship time with your family would be great, right? And then uh, January 1st, we will have a service that morning. Um, so just don't party too hardy on um, New Year's Eve, okay? But our text today is we're going to have, uh, um, as we will move into a time of prayer afterwards, is from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So far, the text that we're looking at, this, these verses from part of what Jesus uh, what has been called the Sermon on the Mount. He kind of takes the place of Moses. He becomes a greater Moses in that message and proclaims the heart of the entire plan that God has for this world and how we are to live into it. And part of this, in some ways, is about prayer, but also God's disposition with us, how God looks at us and how he wants to give to us. But prayer, are you ever puzzled by prayer? Like, why? Um, I mean, will God do it even if I don't pray? How hard do I have to pray? How many times? Do you understand some of those questions? I've struggled with it. That's why I like what Matt Chandler has said about prayer. He says, prayer is one of the most beautiful, frustrating, and perplexing things imaginable. And you might... And it is. And what are some of those things? Um, well, why is it frustrating to me? Because I'm out of the control seat when I pray. It's not about what I want anymore. All of a sudden, it's really about seeking God's will. And I am utterly dependent on God when I'm in prayer. It seems that I'm really doing nothing, which for especially Americans, we like to be active and think that we can do and the whole... It goes against the whole idea of self-help, prayer does. It's not where I'm doing, and I can't direct God and tell him what to do. It's not like giving God advice. So prayer takes me out of all the things that I like to do. And the question about human agency and God's sovereignty are in a paradox when we pray. Do you understand what I mean by that? Human agency, what is it that God calls me to pray? And yet, God's will is done even without my prayer. How's that working, right? So, those are just some of the paradoxical, perplexing, beautiful, and frustrating things about prayer. And yet, God calls us to pray. God uses our prayers, though he need not use them. We have no more powerful words than when we are praying, by the way. My words don't really have anything to them, but when I am praying according to Jesus Christ in the Spirit, they're the most powerful words that I can ever speak. And so we're taking a little time less in this message and more in actually corporate prayer after this message. 
um, to really ask God to give us discernment, wisdom, boldness, courage, that our lives individually and corporately, and praying for all the needs that we know in this community, in this world right now, um, boy, there's a lot to do. So with all that said, here's a couple of points that I want to uh, share with you before we have a time of prayer. First of all, when we look at this passage, one of the things about prayer that I always have to realize is uh, that I need to admit my incompetence. I don't like to feel incompetent. Does anybody like that? No. But if you're going to ever learn anything, you're always at that stage. And the more comfortable you are with being uncomfortable about the fact that you really don't know much, it's the only way anybody learns. If you have to know it all already, if you have to be good at it already, you'll never do anything. Okay? That's why maybe Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like little children because they don't seem to worry about what other people are thinking and how incompetent they feel. You know, if I had to do it right the first time, I would have never stood up and tried to walk as a child. But kids, they'll fall over. They'll do all sorts. They're going to keep trying and doing it. And that's the case with prayer as well. Um, you might say, well, I don't like to pray because I don't feel I'm good at it. Well, join the club, right? And we don't pray because the prayer itself is not what actually has the power in it. Our prayers are not answered because of the eloquence of our words or how many words we make. We don't really rely on our prayers. When we're praying, we are trusting in God. Max Lucado put it this way, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. So first, we admit our incompetence. The power of prayer is not in how well I do it. And thank God for that. And that's why Jesus says in this uh, passage, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will. He doesn't, and for everyone who asks. He doesn't say, if you ask hard enough. If you pray sincerely enough. Now, what he gives is what he wants to give. But everyone, and, and that is his kingdom and being a part of it. But anyone who prays, he hears. He is more willing to give and hear our prayers than you are willing to pray and receive. So we admit our incompetence, but then... This second point comes up with this phrase as well, and we rely on God's willingness. You know, a lot of people ask, um, you know, if I'm ever over at somebody's house for dinner, guess who gets to pray, <laughs> right? Uh, somehow they think the professional prayer is better. <laughs> you know, um, I don't mind praying, and I don't mind being put in that position, but my prayers are no stronger than anyone else's. And uh, that's just not the way it works. Um, so somehow people think somehow that certain people have much better. And it's like, so I don't really pray because I don't feel like they are much. The simplest prayer 
can be the most profound. Jesus also said things like, you know, all you have to have is faith, the grain of, uh, size of a mustard seed, right? The smallest. It's not the amount of faith. It's that you have it at all. And faith is not faith in itself. The mustard seed doesn't go like, oh, look at, I, all I have is, no, the faith is in the God who gives the power to prayer. So a lot of other people, and there are some Christian traditions where um, that talk about, well, you know, your prayers are probably not good enough, so you better get an intermediary in some way, someone who's much more holy and more sacred, and um, whoever that is, um, because you get them then to pray for you because you can't do it directly. And what I see in Scripture is nothing that insinuates that God won't listen to your prayer directly. Um, or at least in the name of Jesus, right? He's our intercessor. He's our intermediary. He is the one who prays for us, according to the scripture, and with us as we pray. So don't go into prayer questioning whether God wants to listen to you or not. He loves his children. And that's why Jesus put it this way. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread... Will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will you give him a serpent? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Often, though, what I'm doing is asking for a stone, and God gives me bread. For a snake, and God gives me a fish. Okay? So... No matter what you're asking for, God is going to give you what is best for you. So all prayer, no matter if it's your first prayer or umpteenth millionth prayer that you've prayed, it is based on God's willingness to answer and his goodness and grace and not on your skill or ability or how well you word it. So admit your incompetence, rely on God's willingness, and then I love this one, see eternity in the every day. You know, what's fascinating, we use the Lord's Prayer, and we'll probably use that at the end of the service again today, that the Lord's Prayer being kind of the model prayer, what you find as Jesus taught us to pray through that prayer is it has both the eternal and the very earthly everydayness all connected together. So we pray that God's kingdom will come, and we pray for our daily bread. We pray for God's name to be hallowed, and we pray for our protection. We pray that God's will be done and that he would forgive our sins. The infinite and the finite come together in prayer. That's why John Piper puts it this way. There is a correspondence between the content of this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and the content of our lives, the big and the little, the glorious and the common, the majestic and the mundane, the lofty and the lowly, there's no prayer that's too small, no request that's too big, there's nothing too mundane, there's nothing too magnificent, the glorious and the common. So you just start praying. You just start praying wherever you happen to be with whatever you've got on your mind. So we admit our incompetence. We rely on God's willingness. We see the eternity in the everyday. And then fourthly, you plan to pray and you plan to change.
Now we meet, you go, oh, wait a minute, plan to pray? I thought prayer was supposed to be just kind of this spontaneous, whatever is on my heart. And that's a sincere prayer, you know. And I know many of you may have gone to churches where it seems like, wow, that was just amazing. Everything just seemed to be flowing the way that the Spirit wanted. And I'm going to tell you, it might look like that, but the band didn't just get up there and just kind of wing it. Nor did the preacher, I hope, just get up there and say, whatever the Spirit puts on my mind, I'm going to say. They worked at it. So much so that it became second nature to them so that they could be used by God to have it flow and move in a certain direction. I mean, prayer should be spontaneous. Sure, it can be spontaneous, but it's also very well planned and structured. Tell me, can you imagine if you had that attitude, well, I should just be able to play the piano without practice. Or I, you know, I want to be, you know, a, a, a star on the soccer team, but I want to practice. You know, I should just be able to. It should be spontaneous. Why is prayer any different? Why do we think prayer is supposed to be something special that's different than practicing that we do in any other field to get better at it? We're human beings. God created this body. He created this mind. He created who we are, and he wants us to use this all for his glory, and that can take practice in planning it. And I'm not saying at the same time that throughout the day that there aren't moments of spontaneous prayer. Not at all. In fact, I would say, though, that when you have planned prayer at times, the spontaneous prayer is much easier to have happen. But if you're just waiting to feel moved to pray, you might not ever. <laughs> I don't feel like doing homework. I don't feel like planning or practicing a lot of things. And yet, if I don't, and if I just go with my feelings all the time, I'm going to miss it all out. That's why, like, uh, Lisa Turkust uh, put it this way. The reality is my prayers don't change God, but I'm convinced prayer changes me. Praying boldly boots me out of the stale place of religious habit and authentic connection with God himself. So, and that takes some time, practice, regular habits. You know, a great metaphor, I think, that um, kind of uh, speaks to what Lisa is saying here is uh, your hands. Prayer is what opens my hand to receive what God has for me. And without prayer, God still wants to give, but it's really hard to give to a closed fist. You know, I'm in control. I want it my way, Lord. And through prayer, you will even see this in the Psalms at times, that the Psalms sometimes are like uh, a raised fist to God, saying, what are you doing, God? But by the end of the prayer, often, you can see almost the hand open up, and the person is saying, okay, Lord, into your hands I commend my spirit. May your will be done. Thanks be to God for what he is doing. My prayers have been answered. So if I don't pray, my hands stay closed, and I don't get everything that God wants in my life, I don't change what God wants to give me. 
God's character doesn't change as a result of my prayers, but it changes me so that I can receive what God has already and wanted to give me for so long and so willing to do. So you might say prayer does change things by changing me first. And that's where scripture comes in, by the way. Prayer is really a dialogue with the word of God itself because when I'm reading God's word, I am seeing God's will in practice, often the promises of God, the words of God, the truth that God has in the word itself, and then my prayers being aligned with that word starts having me pray more according to his will. Adolf Colberly wrote it this way, prayer escapes the danger of disorder and confusion only when it is enkindled by the words of scripture. From the word proceeds its inner justification as well as its life-giving power and the clearness of its petitions. So the more I pray, and the more I'm reading the scriptures, the more my prayers come in line with what God wants, the more I am changed to conform to what the scriptures talk about, the more God can give me what he has always wanted to give. Now, I started this message off with that uh, truth. Uh, Matt Chandler says how prayer is the most beautiful, frustrating, perplexing thing that can ever be imagined. Because... So often, I want God to change my circumstances, but I don't want him to change me. I seldom see how important it is that God changes my character and who I am first, and then God can do anything else. And the truth is, with that phrase, God has already changed my circumstances. Do you realize God has absolutely accommodated to you to give you even the opportunity to ask him anything, to seek him, to knock any time, to come to him. He has fully accommodated himself to our needs by sending his own son Jesus into human flesh. And we see in the life of Jesus a life of prayer to his father in both times of joy and agony. And he keeps that connection. He prays for us. He lives the life we needed. And then he dies the death in our place. All to accommodate everything to be able to hear our prayers. No matter how feeble or foibled or messed up when I speak, somehow the Holy Spirit translates that and gets it into the right way. And God hears the prayer as God as it needs to be. And Jesus himself could look and probably say, and kind of turn that phrase that Matt Chandler used and say this way, I can see Jesus saying human beings are the most beautiful, frustrating, and perplexing creatures imaginable. Right? And yet God has committed himself to you. Jesus says, ask and you will receive, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. He accommodates himself to you, commits himself to you completely. So we're going to be going into a time of prayer. And during it, don't feel like you have to speak out loud any prayers. You can still be praying silently. 
but we're going to move into a time where we'll be in smaller groups of three, four, five people where we're going to have time to pray together. We can realize we're all admitting our incompetence at this. We rely on God's willingness. We see eternity in the everyday, and we plan to pray, and we're going to plan to change. So let's now just have a short prayer before our offering, a time of worship, and then we'll go into a time of prayer. Lord God, thank you this day that through Jesus you've shown us, you've spoken such truth, such grace, such openness that everyone who asks receives and anyone who seeks will find and, and those who knock, the door will be opened. So we're going to be asking and seeking and knocking today, Lord, that you would open to us uh, your will, that we would be aligned with your will, that you change us first, change this congregation in whatever way you see fit for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of the growth of your kingdom in this area, in this world. So bless our time as we offer ourselves with our tithes and offerings in um, the offering itself, and then move us and move through us, Lord, into a time of prayer and a time to truly be seeking your will. All this we pray, Lord Jesus, in your name.